Welcome to Tucum Carey First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Take out your Bibles, turn to the book of John, and I'm going to preach a message called Powerful Connection. Say powerful. Now connect with somebody that you're around. Just touch them, tap them, high five them, head bump, you know, chest bump might be a little extreme. As you're seated, that's awkward. Things move around, you know, it's, the chair is just pushed all over. Anyhow, we're going to have a great day together. How many of you know connecting is important? I believe that the, the sum total of our life has much to do with the connections that we make and the people that we interact with. And uh, it's interesting to me, the connections that I've had over the years, seemingly some of those just in passing. You know what I'm talking about? You meet somebody, you're like, hi, how you doing? And then later on in life, for some reason, some, some degree in life, that connection made a huge difference, right? It's always interesting to me, uh, the, the connections that we have and those things, it just, it just really matters. And years ago, almost 20 years ago now, uh, I met a guy named Chris Songson. How many of you have heard of Chris? <laughs> Pastor Chris Songson. Pastor Chris Songson just happened to be at a place where I went. We went to a conference there. We went. We met this guy named Chris. After the conference, we were like, I want to get to know this dude, man, because he was cool. He was a lot of fun, and he had, he had a unique approach to what we were doing and learning in church growth and connection with our community, and so we, we scheduled, we said, hey, can we take you to dinner? And most people say yes when you ask them to dinner, unless you're a creepy guy. All the creepy guys in here are like, I've asked a lot of people. Now you know who you are. Anyway, uh, but... <laughs> Pastor Chris went to dinner with us. We had a great time. Little did I know that almost 20 years later, Pastor Chris would be very instrumental in not only my life personally, but a larger scale throughout the New Mexico Ministry Network, um, the Simmons of God churches throughout our state in coaching and, and providing resources and really helping to see that our churches continue to reach into the lives of our communities. And I'm just telling you, church, listen, you had a huge part of that because we were the connection to New Mexico. How incredible is that, right? And so even through the men's conference speaker coming up is a friend of Pastor Chris, right? And I'm like, hey, man, I need a good speaker for men's conference. He's like, I got this guy named Doug. And so I met Doug, and I'm like, I like the, the, the red-headed Doug. I like, I like him, the ginger-bearded Doug. Just don't look into his eyes. He'll steal your soul. Anyway, just kidding. Doug Grass has become a friend. is going to be an incredible speaker. Get signed up, guys. It's, it's, it's one thing I'm saying. Um, but, but, but connections is what we're talking about today. And how do we connect with God? How do we do that? How do we connect with the Lord? We do it through, we do it through prayer. We do it primarily through prayer. Spending time with God, right? Spending time in the Word, reading the Word of God to us, right? The instruction that God has left us, the, the, the stories and documents that God has left us to get to know Him better. But we do it primarily through prayer. And today, we want to, I want to work you through a passage of Scripture in John chapter 17. And we're going to talk about prayer. Jesus said, and I said this a couple weeks ago, Jesus didn't ever teach anybody how to preach. But He did teach us how to pray, Right? And I believe whatever Jesus taught is a high priority. And so we need to really pay attention to what Jesus taught. And so it, we could call this the Lord's Prayer. It's a different passage. The Lord's Prayer is in a completely different passage of Scripture, actually. It's in Matthew 6. 
where the disciples said to Jesus, they said, teach us to pray, and he taught them how to pray. Um, Interestingly enough, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that Jesus didn't pray. Some of you right now, you're like, what? What are you talking about? Well, I can prove that to you. Jesus said in in the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, part of it says, and forgive us our what? Debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus never prayed, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He didn't have any. It would make no sense for him to pray that, right? So it's, it's in, 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 excuse me, Matthew 6, it's an instruction on how to pray, okay? But this is a, it's a great prayer. I think it's something we ought to read and study. I think it's something we ought to memorize. I think it's something that from our heart to him we can connect with. But, but this, if you want to see the prayer that Jesus prayed, look in John chapter 17. John 17, and this is the longest prayer in the New Testament. And uh, it's, 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 it's the longest that, that we have recorded that Jesus prayed. And uh, this prayer, remember when this prayer was prayed, was, was it the Last Supper? Was it the Passover meal right before that, that Jesus had with his disciples before going to the cross? This is the, the Passover, right? We call it that. They call it the Last Supper. And as a matter of fact, we go all the way back to John 13. You see in John 13 through 17 is the entirety of this passage. And we, we wouldn't know that if, if it wasn't for John, he went into more detail than the other gospel writers did. Okay, so there's a lot of detail involved in this. And he, so one thing he did at the Last Supper is he did what? He washed the disciples' stinky, nasty feet. Right? Men in sandals on dirt roads. Them toenails must have been gross, y'all. You gotta wonder, did he get in there with a little tool, you know, how far did the foot washing go? We don't know. We know some of you are really weirded out. It's okay. I'm just letting you into a little bit of my mind, okay? That's what I deal with. But he, he tells them here at this, at this point in history that, is, that is, is known by most all people upon the earth, right? With modern society, at least, among them. This Passover, this this image that you have in your head of Jesus sitting in the middle, right? The disciples on either side. It's always been awkward to me. Why didn't they sit around the table instead of just on one side? Smile at me. Now, I'm sorry. Wasn't it Michelangelo that that painted that scene? Leonardo da Vinci. I knew it was one of those guys. I knew it was one of the, the Super Ninja Turtles. (laughs) <laughs> it was one of the turtles. <laughs> but, but at the Passover meal, he tells them, he tells them about the Holy Spirit. He tells them, he says, I'm going to leave, and I'm not going to leave you here as orphans. I'm, I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Okay, in John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, all that happened in that room. It's all going on in that room. Then, then he tells that he, he turns with his disciples, he turns his face towards heaven, and he prays. And if you analyze that prayer, you understand some connections that Jesus made. And this morning, that's what I want to talk about. So John 17, verse 1. Look in your notes or in your Bible. Let's read together. Don't read out loud because it'll sound like a It'll sound like Charlie Brown's school teacher, okay, in the room. 
So let's just read that. Number one, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now, pause right there. Can you imagine in all of history, that right there is a poignant moment. The hour has come. God, I know you sent me here to do a particular thing, right? Jesus' heart, wanting to minister. Jesus doing ministry for the last three years, and now he knows that it's time. It's his time to go to the cross. It's his time to redeem the sin of all mankind for all eternity on the cross. And he says, Father, the hour has come. And he says, glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as, as to as many as, as have given him as you have given him, verse three, and this is eternal life that they may know you. You want to know what 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 a relationship with God looks like? This is it. That you may know Him, that we might know God, that we might walk with Him, that you may know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Verse four. I have glorified you on the earth. How did Jesus glorify the Father? By living for Him. By putting him first, right? By, by revering him, by honoring the very the character and nature of who God is, Jesus upon the earth does that. He says, I have glorified you on earth, verse 4, I have finished the work for which you have given me to do, and now, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. This is the triune God come together. This is the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. Who's he referring to here? The disciples. The disciples were, they were a bunch of jokesters. They were a mess. We got tax collectors. We got, we got, we got, we got physicians. We got fishermen. We got, we got all these people, and they were all messed up, just like us, Right? There's none of us in here righteous. No, not one, the Bible says, right? And, and he says, God, you, you've, you've allowed me to form this group of men together out of the world. Where did you come from? You came from where? The world, right? You came from the same group of people these people came from. And he says, you've manifest your name to the men who you've given me, and they were yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word. Wow, what, a, what an incredible statement. Verse 7. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. You want to you know a major shift between the world? Here's, here's the difference between the world and disciples of Christ is what? That last statement. And that they have believed that you sent me. Do you believe? Do you believe that, that God sent Jesus into the world for you? For you, not as a teacher, not just as a rabbi. Come on, everybody. For you. Not for your grandma who was a religious lady. You know, God, sent, God did that for her. 
for you? Do you believe that he sent his son for you? I want to break this down, share with you some very simple things that Jesus prays. Number one, in your notes, write these down. Number one, Jesus prays for himself. We tend to either be one extreme or another. We pray for everyone else or we pray almost exclusively for ourselves. It's true, right? I hope you're spending time in prayer this week. I've been spending time in prayer last week. I talked about let's, let's have a concerted time of prayer for the next 21 days where we pray, where we spend time in prayer every single day. I'm spending time in prayer every day about a lot of things, okay? But one of the things that I'm praying for is me because I need a lot of prayer. You know why? I got all of you. But more importantly, listen to me, I got all of me. Right? And me needs a lot of prayer. I know that's not proper grammar. Okay? Jesus prayed for himself. I want you to notice, he prayed for himself, then he prayed for his disciples, then he prayed for others. Another way to say it is, he prayed for himself, then he prayed for those who knew him, then he prayed for those that didn't yet know him. Right? Now, Jesus is the only one we can kind of say that of because I would say it like, I pray for me, then I pray for you, then I pray for for people that I don't know yet. But Jesus knew all of them, right? So he prayed for himself, he prayed for those who knew him, and he prayed for those who did not yet know him. There's, There's something I want you to get here. It's okay for you to pray for yourself, right? It was amazing to me last week as we wrote those prayers and those little blocks of wood and we've prayed for those things and we continue to go through those and pray for them and ask God to really minister to every one of those needs and those things that we really, those, those big prayers. And by the way, if you serve a, 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 a teeny little weeny little God, pray little bitty prayers, okay? But I serve a really big God who's more powerful than anything else, so I'm going to pray really big prayers, okay? But, but a lot of those prayers that were written down, a lot of those, and I love the heart, but but it reveals something about who we are. Most of those things were not needs personally, but it was for other people, right? Why is that? Because I I really think that we've been lulled into a thinking from the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, so that we can't pray for ourselves. Don't pray for yourself. Don't strengthen yourself. The Bible says, build yourself up in your most holy faith that you might what? That you might serve him, that you might love him, that you might follow the Lord. Right? And so Jesus prayed. If Jesus did it, it's okay for us, come on, everybody, to pray for ourselves. If, well, quick question Was Jesus selfish? No. He's the most selfless person that ever lived. He prayed for himself. Okay? So now, now every now and then you run across these people who produce these lists of people that we're supposed to pray for. Right? Pray for this person and this person and this person. All that's good. It's a guide, okay? But sometimes I think we get way, I mean, it it gets nuts, right? We're praying for the dog catcher and the wastewater treatment guy. I'm like, dude, how much time, how much time you got? You know, God, do something with this nasty water and turn it into something beautiful again. Something horrible took place with it. Right? Right? Pray for whatever you want, but one thing you need to include in prayer is you. Come on, everybody. It's you. You're supposed to pray for every detail. You're supposed to, I mean, it's good that we do. It's, it's good that we pray for our elected officials. 
Come on, they need prayer. It's good we pray for our neighbor. He needs prayer. She needs, we got to pray for other people as well. But, but one thing we, ha- we need to pray for ourselves. We go through all this and, and say, I've, I've, I've finished prayer today. And I think that, that if sometimes it, we're, we get so ritualistic, basically, that, that we lose focus about what prayer is. What, what, what is prayer? What is, what is prayer? And if we see that Jesus prays for himself, everybody, listen, he says, Lord, glorify me. In other words, help me, help me. I'm in a, in a moment of need. Help me, Father, right? We can pray the same. The obvious question here is this. If it's okay for Jesus to pray for himself, it's okay for us to pray for ourselves, right? Okay, and a more obvious question than that, if Jesus needed to pray for himself, you need to pray for yourself, Okay? So it's okay. If you, prayer is this. In your notes, write this down. Prayer is transferring a burden. That's what prayer is. When you are beginning to pray and you're burdened about something you're going through or something you're facing or something that the world around you is dealing with, and you're in the world, so you're facing it too, right? Right? Sometimes we cut ourselves off. We put ourselves on our own little island out in the middle of nowhere. God, our world's horrible. Like we're part of it, right? We have a responsibility in it. We can do something about it. Number one, we can pray for the condition of our life. We can pray for our world. We can pray for us. Come on, everybody. Say it's transferring a burden. If you come out of a time of prayer, and you've heard me say this before, if you come out of a time of prayer and you still have the burdens, you weren't praying, you were griping. Okay, you're just spouting off. And, and, and by the way, God can handle it. I'm not telling you to not gripe sometime. Okay, but I am saying work through it to the point of prayer where it's the transference of the burden from you to the Lord, right? Where you give God that burden. I, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on from this time of prayer where I'm placing it literally at the feet of Jesus because he can handle what I can't handle. He can do what I will never be able to do. Come on, everyone. That's what Jesus said here. Even the model prayer when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. What does it say? It says, give us, our, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our what? Our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? From the evil one. Jesus taught us to pray for ourselves. Okay, number two in your notes, Jesus, he prayed for unity. Unity. Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are where? In the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me that they may be one as we are one. That speaks of what? Unity. That we are one as you and I are one. Verse 20, go down to verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their, world, their word, that they may, they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That the, this is a prayer of Jesus, that he, he's praying that the world may believe in him, that, in, in God the Father and the Son that, that was sent, verse 22, and that the glory which you gave me I have given to them, that they may be, just, may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I am them, I am them, and you in, in me, right? That they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me, right? Are you noticing how many times the word one is used in this passage? One is a, it's a sign of unity. Come on, everybody, right? A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, one flesh with one mind, once, come on, right? Why? Because it's extremely important for us to understand what unity is. Unity is God thinks a lot about unity, okay? In fact, the, wonder, the number one topic in this prayer is unity, okay? That he's praying for us to be one or to be in unity Together, how important it is for the world that we are one. Come on, church. How many of you know that, that people outside the family of God often make fun of the family of God because of the infighting within the family of God? Right? I've said something to you wrongly, and God lately has convicted me for it. I've said this to you often. You are the church. I've said that. That's wrong. We are the church. We're the church. And when we don't act as the church, we're acting against the church. There is a, if there's more than one vision, there's division. It's pretty simple, right? Okay, we are the church. So God thinks a lot about unity. How important is it for us to act as the church? Huge, right? There's all this talk about we need to be the New Testament church, the New Testament church, and, and it's, we are the New Testament church. We don't exist in Old Testament time. We're in a New Testament season, right? But what people are saying is we need to pattern how we facilitate church like the New Testament, like the pattern of the first church in the New Testament. And that is, that is just simply not the case. We need to be in unity as the church was. And, and, and I'll just tell you right now, and you know this, the church by and large is not in unity like that across our world. We need to be, right? We'd be much stronger if we were to be unified together Loving people in the world around us, caring for the world, caring for what God cares about. God breaks all ties, right? And if we are against him, we don't get to vote, <laughs> right? It's as simple as that. So, so the unity, they prayed for one. They encouraged one another. Okay, in, the, in the New Testament, the very beginnings of the church, okay, they prayed for one. They encouraged one another. They helped one another, all the one another's. That's what we need more than everything. Listen, we need to do that. We need to do that. The reason why the power of God was so evident then is because of the unity that, that people came together with. Are you with me? Listen, there's something about unity that you won't find in, with, with disunity. 
There's, there's no way it can happen. Unity, a couple of things it's not. In your notes, write this down. It's not uniformity. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't, I don't want to be in unity. Well, it's, it's, they, they really do. They just don't want to be in uniformity, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we all have to look alike, walk alike, talk alike, right? Right? We can still be in unity and do different things. Yes? God made you like you are for a reason, right? It's to touch and affect the world with people like you that I don't have an opportunity to do and, and for me to do the same. And so it's, it's not uniformity, okay? I don't have to do what you do. You don't have to do what I do to be in unity. <clears throat> As you know, in recent years, that has been a huge change in our culture, right? Nowadays, if you don't believe exactly like I believe, well, then I hate you and you hate me. No, no, I don't hate you for not believing like I believe. That's crazy, right? I don't like cats. Some of you love cats. I think all cats will go to hell. <laughs> Thank you. I got several people applauding me. I have other people wanting to transfer out of church. It's okay. There's cat churches. Those are called cults. Anyhow. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Take a cat for a walk today. <laughs> That's useless, right? Teach a cat a trick today. Cats do their own tricks. Yeah. Some of you say they're smarter than dogs. They do their own tricks. No, they can't be useful. <laughs> right? I've had dogs for years that bring me dinner. Your cat's brought you his dinner. What good is that? Listen, every church is not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. It shouldn't. Right? It shouldn't. Should. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm thankful that every preacher ain't the same. I met some of them dudes. Right? And some of them have met me, and they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Secondly, what, what is uniformity not? Uniformity or unity is not always agreeing on everything. It's not always agreeing. It's okay to have some disagreement. Some of you right now, your mind's blown. Okay, millennials, listen, it's okay to disagree a little bit. You don't have to take your ball and go home. Take your color, your crayon. I'm a red, not a blue. It's okay. We need red and blue. Right? It's not agreeing on everything. I, I've had people ask me what I believe on things. What, what do you believe about um, the rapture of the church, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-tribulation? What, you know, what, what's going to happen? I believe, here's what I believe in the rapture. Jesus is coming. That's what I believe. Right? What's most important is that Jesus is coming and people aren't ready. That's why, listen, we're always going to be an outreach-driven church. And if that flavor doesn't fit you, understand this. There's another church who's not being biblical that might fit you better. Because every church should be a church whose concern is the heart of Jesus. 
And Jesus' concern, when he summed it up, when the disciples came to him and said, what's the most important thing? What did he say? He said, to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. To not be selfish, but to look at, toward other people. To love other people, to care about other people, and the condition of their soul, the condition of their life, the condition of their eternity. Right? The Bible says that if a man will not provide for the needs of his family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The first thing in that statement that we've got to wash out is this. The first most important thing is our spiritual condition of our household. That doesn't mean your kid has a new Xbox 472. It means that they know and love Jesus. And you're leading them in a direction, a heart, a life where they love God and they love people around them that don't love God. Come on, everybody. Sometimes we teach our kids, love God and just love the people that love God. Yeah, that's good. They're going to be around great people. Come on, everybody. But we need to love people that Jesus loved, and that's everybody. That's everybody. It's not... It's not agreeing on everything. It's unity is more, it's more than that. It's more than that, right? Do you realize that the church, it being in unity, is the one thing that Satan fears the very most? More than any other thing. I know a lot of people that will say, well, I'm going to find a church who believes like I do. Good luck. Right? Good luck. So if you're honest, there's some things that have changed in your belief system as the months and years roll on. Right? So Jesus said, he warned us of people that, that are wishy-washy or that are, are, are swayed by the, the prevailing wind of the time and the culture. Come on. He said, Don't, he said watch out. Watch out for that, okay? Okay? It, listen, if you find the name, if you find that church, it, it, it'll, it'll be the first church of you in this moment, okay? Because that moment's fixing to change, and then you're going to have to change the name, right? Number three, what did Jesus pray for? Jesus prayed for joy. He prayed for joy, right? He was happy. He, was, he had some joy in his life. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, those who, whom you gave me, and I've kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition. Who's he talking about? Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, but now I come to you that these things I speak to into the world, that they may have my joy filled in themselves he prayed for joy John 15 verse 11 these things I've spoken to you that my joy remain in you and that your joy may be full the joy of God the joy the, the experience that God has the, he's just thrilled to see you thrive he's thrilled to see you live well he's thrilled to see you to see you manifest the blessing of God because of the obedience of your own heart he's thrilled about that See, God created us to have joy, to walk in joy, to be full of joy, right? And as there's seasons of time where we have, where joy kind of escapes us, yes, those are seasons, right? Those are seasons. I told somebody this week, listen, seasons come and seasons go. Winter sometimes is long and it's cold and the wind blows and it's difficult, yes? Emotionally, it's like, oh, there's no joy, there's pain, there's... There's discomfort, but, but spring's coming. The flowers are going to bloom, right? It's coming. 
Everything comes in. Jesus prayed for joy for us. He prayed. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of God, right? You think the devil reads the Bible? Think he knows it? Absolutely he knows it. And he knows the Bible, and he's looking for loopholes that he can use against us. So if he sees a scripture that says that what the strength of the people will be, okay, what's he going to attack? Yeah, the strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So now what's he going to go after? Your joy. So understand this. Listen to me close. Listen, if joy is escaping you, understand you're under attack of the enemy of your soul. Okay? You're under attack from the enemy of your soul. Change what you're thinking. Change what you're saying. Okay? Change what you're saying. I, I'm, man, I've got a message completely written, already prepared, ready to just rah about what we say, what we speak. Because what we speak is hugely important, right? Changes the atmosphere of our whole lives. Okay? What the joy of the Lord is yours. Some of you, that, that, that could be the first thing you say every day when you get up and be like, God, may your joy be complete in me today. Right? That your joy is my strength for today. I choose to walk in that, right? Before anyone ever makes you mad or your coffee doesn't work out just right, right? It's like too dark, too soft. You know what I mean? It's hard to get a good cup every now and then. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy didn't come from circumstances. If the joy of your life is circumstantial, someone else is in control. The joy of your life comes from your faith, right? From your faith. When, when, we, when, when, when we have faith to understand that God is in control, that God is leading, that, God's got to, that God is working all things for our good, right? It's what the Bible says. Did you know that there are believers that are the only, I mean, excuse me, believers are the only people in the world that can have joy and sorrow at the same time? You've been to a funeral where you knew somebody that loved God with all their heart, right? Your heart's a little bit broken because they're gone, right? Heart's broken because they're gone. But at the same time, there is an unexplainable joy because you know what they're experiencing. We actually don't really know. It's, we've been told in part, but not in full, Right? It's incredible. And that he prayed for us that our joy might be fulfilled, right? Because joy of the Lord comes from him. Our joy comes from him. Number four in your notes, write this down. Jesus prayed for protection. Protection. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. What is that? That's protection, right? I will keep you from the, he prayed for protection for us all. And if Jesus thought it was important to pray for protection, then do you think it's important for us to pray for, for protection from the evil one? Absolutely. Every day you should pray a shield of protection around you. God, keep me safe. Keep my family safe. Keep us aware, right? Keep us aware, right? Come on, right? L- listen to me. A couple things real quick. This is super practical. When you're in a public space, don't walk around looking at your phone. You're not protecting yourself. 
Look around you. Notice what's going on around you. Notice. That's, that's your job. God gave you the response. Parents, listen to me. Don't send your kids places without you. Sometimes kids are too young to go to the bathroom by themselves. Right? Because there are creeps in the bathroom sometimes waiting on children to come into the bathroom. Right? Be vigilant. Be aware. And practice your first shot. I'm just moving on from that right there. Smile at me. Your second shot might not matter. Mm, pray for protection. Sometimes it's easier to do for it's it's easier for us to think about that on a practical level, but on a spiritual level, you, war, spiritual warfare is very real, very real. And if you're not in the fight, I, here's what I know about every fight. If I didn't know that I was in one, I was losing. Yeah? Right? Here's what I've always encouraged my children. If there's time to go to, into a physical altercation, don't you dare throw the second punch. You better get a good lick on them first shot. Because if it's, if it's worth going there, listen, I'll hit you with a brick. I don't care. I'm going to get the first one in. If my life is, if I need to protect my, spiritually, hit him with a brick. Let Satan be completely, well, that wasn't fair. You, you slapped me. Listen, I will bite you, spit on you, slap you. I'll treat you like a girl. I don't care. Spiritually. We'll do whatever it takes, come on, this side of sin in order to, to protect those around us. Come on, church, right? We raise a standard up of, uh, against those. Come on. Spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, continue to stand. Right? Don't be intimidated and back down. Stand. 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 Sometimes we need to, to get our kids around us and say, hey, listen, sweetie, I love you, but you can't do that. Hey, buddy, I'm your dad. We're friendly, but I'm your dad, right? There's a spiritual battle that I see that you're in that you don't even see it yet, and I'm stepping in the way. I'll take a fiery dart for you because I love you. We got to be willing to do that for each other. Come on, within the body of Christ. You want to know what unity is? Take a shot for somebody across the aisle from you, Right? Take a shot on their behalf. That's what unity looks like. Sometimes we get it all, we, we're really, often church is real limp-wristed. Some of you didn't know what to do with that comment. It's real limp-wristed, right? Real effeminate. Warfare is not effeminate. It's head-on. It's on purpose. It's dedicated effort.
right? It's agreement in prayer, in unity. Come on, everybody. Mm, man, this is good. I hope you're getting some. It says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Some believers could just stop with, for we do not wrestle. In other words, we're not going to engage a spiritual battle in my life. I'm just, I don't know what to do. Spit in his eye. Tell him where he's headed for all of eternity. Come on. Satan's been banished to hell forever. You have no dominion in my life. Get off my family. Get out of my house. Get out of our church. Get out of our city. Quit putting a wet blanket on everything. We renounce your ability to do anything here and move forward. And don't be, don't be swayed back and forth and wondering when the attack's going to come. Have faith in your father because he can handle it. Right? He can handle it. Right? Um, some people don't even know that there's a war going on. I, I said that a moment ago. If, you're, if that's you, listen, you, get engaged in, in the battle. Go all in in the battle. If you're, if you're wrestling against those principalities and powers, how do, you, how do you do that? You do that in prayer. How do we do that? We do that in prayer. We take authority against the enemy. Right? Every morning you get up, take authority over the enemy of your family, over the enemy of your soul. Right? God, today, may temptation, when it comes, when temptation comes, may I be strong in you and not cave. Right? The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Right? There's power available to us, the same power that Jesus had available to us. Number five. Number five. By, by the way, let me say this before I move on. You also need to pray. You, you also need to, the, the, you need people who will pray for you. By the way, if you're acting as the church, outside of the church, don't expect people to pray for you. Because you've walked away from the unity of the church. Number five. Jesus prayed for us to be different than the rest. Yes? I just want to blend in. No, you don't. You want to stand out. You want to stand out. Right? You want to stand out. You want to be different than the rest. Verse 16 um, they, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by what? By your, by your truth. By your truth. I think there's a wrong reference right there. Um, I, think, I think it says Ephesians. It's not Ephesians. It's John 17. So, so your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the what? By the truth. How, how, does, how does Jesus sanctify himself? How does he set himself apart? How does he do it? He's, it's, it's, it's that. It's that very thing. It means set apart. It's the same word for holy. The word holy means to be set apart. It's, it's this big, ugly, religious word that sometimes is used and we don't know what it means. It means to be set apart. It doesn't mean to blend in. Right? It doesn't mean to blend in. And, and the culture that we have now is, is really gearing up uh, for us, for everyone just to blend in, we look like people, we talk like people, we act like people. We, so what, what, what Jesus said was, for your sakes, I, for your sakes, I have set myself apart. L- look up at me. For, for the sake of the people around you, set yourself apart. Right? Sometimes there's a hesitancy here that's like, I don't know that I should do that because 
other people might. No, for them, do that. For them, do that. For them, set yourselves apart for, for, for God's purposes, yes? And, and Jesus said, and I'm, I'm praying for that you would also be set them apart, that them is us, right? For your purposes, God. Set them apart. Jesus was praying for us that we would set ourselves apart for the purpose of God. And here's the, here's the key to being sanctified or set apart or to be different than the rest is, is that is your word is truth. The difference maker, listen everyone, the difference maker in how you live versus how the world around you lives is the word of God in you. It's the word of God lived out on a daily basis through you. It's believing God. It's he breaks every tie. It keeps coming out, right? But it's him. It's his choice. We, we're choosing what he's already cho- chosen. So, but, but you have set yourself apart to God before you can set yourself apart from the world. You've got to set yourself apart to God before you will have the ability to set yourself apart from the world, right? Religion tells you just the opposite. Religion says, clean up, then come to God. God says, listen, I came that you might clean up. God says, listen, Jesus came to the world. It's like, I want to give you hope. He goes to tax collectors and fishermen. Have you been on a charter boat lately? Those aren't the cleanest people in the world. In morality or language. Right? Listen, I, I, I went on a fishing boat a few years ago in Florida. We went shark fishing. We were, we were actually we were out there to catch tarpon. And, and th- this guy created new ways to use words. Like he started sentences with cuss words. Like I didn't know you could do that. It's weird. It was so awkward, right? And then about two hours in, he's like, so what do you guys do? We're in sales. No, we're not in sales. We pastor churches. We love God. We love people. He's like, oh, bless the Lord. Uh, You throw that pole onto the other side of the boat. See if you can. And you know what I tell people like every time? I'm like, hey, man, you be you. Because that, that little sentence, it opens the door to say, hey, you know what? I, at one time, listen, there were, there were a lot of those words that came out of my mouth. And God just helped me. And I don't judge you for, for using that language. Right? Then an expletive and a high five and more fishing. <laughs> Not from me. Some of y'all are wondering, what did you say, Pastor? No, I didn't say anything. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice the order of instruction. It doesn't say resist the devil, then submit to God. It says submit to God, then resist the devil. The only way we have the power to resist the devil in himself is to submit to God. The problem is, listen, listen, listen. It's the, hardest, it's the hardest thing for people to do. Because to submit to God means I have to take myself off the throne 
and have a different Lord of my life. <sighs> if I don't believe in him, if I'm not trusting in him, I don't submit to him. Therefore what? Listen, you never have the power to resist. You'll never have the power to resist. I want to serve God. If God would just like show himself real in my life, he's waiting on you to blow your mind. Everything we have when it comes to a relationship with God comes with faith. We step in to faith. We start receiving all the things that God has for us. Come on, church. Listen, don't keep things from God. People say, I, I, I need to get a lot of things cleaned up, then I'm going to get involved in the church. No, get involved in the church, and God will clean things up. God will clean things up, right? Don't keep things from, he knows anyway, and he loves you. He loves you, right? God has already taken care of your sin. What God wants to do now is help you with this life. He wants to help you. It's like a kid who wrecks the family car. He doesn't know what to tell his dad. Right? Listen, if that dad owned all the cars in the world, he doesn't really care about the cars. He cares about you. Whether you get hurt or not, whether the devil tries us to keep us from hiding from God, don't hide. Just be you. God, listen to me. Some of you never heard this before. God loves you. Like right now. Not the cleaned up version of you. He loves you with all the dirt under the nails. He loved the disciples before he washed their feet. He loved Judas knowing Judas was going to betray him. And he knows you, and he loves you very much. So much that he went to the cross on your behalf. Number six, Jesus prayed for his desires. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also may... Whom you have gave, who you, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. Listen, he wants, he wants you close. How many know a good father wants his kids close? If you know a father that doesn't want his kids close, he's not a good father. Listen to me, he's not a good father. Well, you don't know their kids. No, 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 no. You don't know a good father. A good father wants his children close. Come on, church. Hmm. Father, I desire that they whom you've gave me will be with me where I am, that they may behold your glory. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that you, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Notice Jesus prays for his desires here. He's praying for the desires of his heart. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Listen, it doesn't say make someone else's request known. It says make your request known. Make your request known. I think some people don't pray because they don't know that they can pray for their own Self, they are their own desires, their own protection, their own joy. They're they're lost in it. 
go into a time of prayer and it's like, God, I can't even focus on anyone else right now because I am such a mess. Well, you need prayer. Pray for you. Spend some time praying right now for you. Spend some moments in, in dedicated effort, concerted effort for you. Listen, I'm no good for you to you if I'm not good for me. Right? Right? There's somebody in my house that was highly addicted to a substance. I would want to do anything I can to help them alleviate the addiction to that substance. Right? Why? Because it's killing them. And they can't be good for everyone else until they're better for themselves. Right? Jesus led us in the way of prayer. And he said, he, throughout, you've seen this this morning, he's prayed for himself. That's, it, listen, his desire was that we could be with him. So much so that he came out of heaven to us, right, on a redemption mission for our lives. He came to get us, to receive us. Jesus is God's gift to the world. He's God's gift to all of us. But I want you to think about this. Jesus is God's gift to us, but do you know what God's gift to Jesus is? It's you. It's you. There's few things more gratifying in life than the fulfillment of fruitfulness in the area you've sown seed. When you have dedicated your heart, when you've given your time, when you've given your effort, when you've given your money, when you've given all you have to give, and you start to see results. There's nothing quite like it. Some of you, some of you came to this church, and now we're seeing your family, your children, friends, neighbors, people that we didn't, we didn't know the people around you. Now we know the people around. Why? Because what God has done in you, God is doing through you. And what God's doing in and through, through you, God is going to do through them. And that's how this whole thing works. We, God loves us that we might love other people. And through other people, the world is reached for him. That every person may reach other people around them, love them to Jesus. Are you loving people to Jesus? Can I tell you something? If you're not praying for you, you're probably not. If your eyes aren't wide open to what you need, you're probably not. This is the second week in a row God has led us to pray for your heart, for what you need, for the thing that you're crying out for to God. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? All over this room. You are God's gift to Jesus. There's something, there's something just so tremendous about that. So right now, all over this room, wherever you are, whatever the condition of your heart is, listen, God has brought you to this place to meet with him, to be impacted by the power and the authority of the word of God. And I have not held back today in delivering the word of God to you. God has spoken today in a way to you that is unique to you from every other person in the room. And you know right now the, the areas of your life that you need the most help. 
When I said that, some of you, there's, a, there's something that rose up inside. There's pride that just jumps up. I don't need any help. Well, listen, if you don't need any help, why is it still an issue? We all need help. We need help from a father who can help us. God, by the power of your word today, it is our prayer. First of all, we'd submit to the authority of the life that you've given us to live. If you're here today and you're not following Jesus, listen, give your life to Jesus today. He will forgive you. He loves you. He's got a great future for you. You have no idea how incredible he has, is going to be in and for your life. God's the greatest gift that's his son, Jesus, the greatest gift that's ever been given. So much so that, listen, what he's going to do in your life is going to be the greatest gift that he could ever receive. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.